Hello and welcome to this week's Key Voices, conversations with folk in and around education. I'm Caroline Doherty. Earlier this week, we celebrated Thank a Teacher Day. And I'd just like to say on behalf of everyone at the Key, a huge thank you to all staff in our schools. Your passion, energy, resilience and dedication to the communities you serve is absolutely inspirational. So today we're talking to Claire Heald, Standards Director and Executive Principal at Inspiration Trust. We're going to focus on the work that Claire has been doing on teacher leader development. We'll also talk a little bit about Inspiration Trust's response to the COVID-19 crisis. Welcome Claire. Hello, great to be here. Lovely stuff. And um, just before we start talking, I'm going to remind listeners that this podcast is an opportunity to open up debate and discussion around issues. Uh, The views that Claire and I are about to express are not the view of the key. For in-depth authoritative articles on the latest issues in education, do check out thekeysupport.com. So... Firstly, um, for those uh, people who don't know very much about Inspiration Trust, can you can you tell us a little bit about about you, Claire? Um, how big you are, how many schools, the the contexts, and and a bit about your kind of history and growth. Yeah, absolutely. So we are a uh, probably a medium sized max. We're in the east of England. Most of our schools are in Norfolk, but we do have one just over in the Suffolk border as well. Um, we began in twenty thirteen. Um, so I can hardly believe it, but uh, we're approaching seven years now. We've got a range of primary and secondary schools um, in very varying contexts. Uh, so they're very different schools, but um, the majority are in uh, quite challenging areas with high levels of deprivation. Um, we've got a number of coastal schools, for example, which brings its own um, particular challenges mm. in the context of today, particularly around recruitment. Um, um, we've really set out to transform educational standards in the East, um, but we're also keen to play our part in system leadership um, more widely as well. Great stuff. And today we're talking specifically about your your teacher and leader development programme. Uh, how and why did you develop this approach? Um, I think for us, people are our most important resource. Um, it seems... Uh, kind of cheesy thing to say but it's true teachers change lives um and i've really found and believe that if you find the best people um for, for schools then that's when you can make the biggest difference to your people's lives so it was the natural thing to really put them at the center of our strategy for the years ahead for our trust um we we've been thinking a lot lately within the organization about really being a first choice not just for parents when they look for a, a school place for their child um but for um, teachers and leaders when they're thinking about um, where, um, when they're thinking about their career and mm. the kind of schools and organisation that they might want to work in. But we want people to want to work with us and we want them to stay with us. Um, and that we kept coming back to this idea of teacher and leader development being key if we wanted yeah. to make that work wow. in the best possible way. Um, and I think it's the reality that you don't always find leaders and teachers who are just magically fully formed mm. um teachers uh i mean you do come across teachers who've got a natural affinity for teaching but they're not just suddenly these natural experts um you don't find fully formed leaders you have to invest in people you have to develop them 
Um, and then, of course, you want them to stay. Um, so I think it was really coming from those kind of ideas. Yeah, and and it would be good to to hear a little bit about how you how you went about sort of implementing it as 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 well there and um and really kind of embedding it. We had already, in our organisation, um, had a huge focus on curriculum development. That was something that was very important to our to our strategy. Um, and that, by itself, had a huge impact on teacher development. We were very influenced by Lawrence Stenhouse's ideas about curriculum development and teacher development go hand in hand. So by having that focus on curriculum, um, uh, kind of intended by product of that was um, teacher development as well and the development of subject communities was key to that. Um, but we really wanted to not move away from the curriculum work because that's very much still there, um, but place our teachers front and centre stage um, as well as, as we look forward with our strategy. Um, and we're really just starting off um, on and there's still lots more to be done, but the key thing was to get started and make it a top priority. We were already offering an extensive CPD offer, mm. both to our schools and um, and beyond. We were already offering a suite of MPQs, um, but we wanted to take things further and look at what um, teachers and leaders in our trust really needed. And that's when we started to think about induction, um, so really good induction programmes, for staff at the different stages of their career and journey with us, uh, induction for new staff or new middle leaders or new senior leaders, um, to really think about what people might need at all the different stages of their career. And can I just ask about induction? Um, does that induction happen again as people move positions within the trust? It does, it does. So how it works is when people uh, join us, and this is um, any staff who are people facing in our schools, um, they have that induction. Um, and so, you know, that that is the same depending on what, uh, depending on people's experience level. We really want to introduce them to how our trust works. Um, and it covers you know, key aspects of curriculum um, and teaching approaches within the trust. But then as people progress through their careers, if they become middle leaders, there's a bespoke induction program for middle leaders. Um, as people progress to senior leadership, there's a bespoke induction um, there, right up to headship. Um, so it, it is something that is uh, refreshed and people will come back to as they continue through their educational career with us. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to, to sort of think about um, how often, especially if you're staying within the organisation, you you know you, you don't necessarily have that discipline of having a having a re induction as as it were. I imagine must be quite interesting yeah. for people to um to see things from different perspectives as they as they move. Yeah, and I th I think um, there's two ways of looking at it really as people progress into new roles, that induction support continues, but we also We've also been thinking, well, what about those people who don't um, move into new roles? Because actually, what they want to do is be really brilliant um, 
in the role that they're in. So they just want to be uh, all fantastic and expert teachers. Mm. And that's fine as well. So um, key thing for us, rather than potentially refreshing that induction, um, is just reaffirming and sharing you know, the values of the organisation, keeping them um, up to date with the direction the organisation is going, keeping them excited. Um, so we, alongside our normal CPD offer, we have started to have an annual conference. We did it for the first time last year. Um, and um, that will now become an annual event, mm-hmm. um, COVID-19 permitting. Um, we might need to move the date slightly. Mm-hmm. And that is really our opportunity to bring everybody together and just refresh um, people's thinking and remind people about why we're doing what we're doing, um, particularly you know, from a values and um, organisational mission perspective. Um, and it's really important for us to, to bring people together and be really upfront about how well, you know, how much we value their CPD, how much we value them by setting aside a whole day for them to put on a series of different um, workshops and sessions for them. Um, and they need to see that our CEO, um, that our trustees, you know, that they're all there on that day so they can see how much everybody um, values the development of teachers and everybody coming together in that way. And you mentioned there a little bit about the different routes that people m- might might take. Um, so what does that progression path look like from, say, induction um, at kind of teacher level and then moving forward to middle and, and senior leadership? Yeah, I think the interesting thing is that as we have um, turned our focus onto things like curriculum development, teacher development, actually, in order to run that, we've had to develop our central team. Um, and... I don't think we realised quite at the start what impact that might have on um, diversifying progression routes for, for staff within within the MAT. Um, and it, it quite quickly became apparent, and I think this is one of the strengths, actually, of um, some of the work that we've been doing, that actually progression can look really quite different. Mm. Um, so it isn't necessarily that quite traditional route um, from being a teacher to moving into either curriculum or pastoral leadership and then perhaps into senior leadership um, and headship. Actually, there are lots of different ways that that could look um, now, and I think that's for other maps as well across the country, not not just us, um, where people can move into more central roles, uh, they can move into a central role and then perhaps back out again. Mm. Um, We've actually got um, people within the organisation as well who divide their time between um, a role in school and a, a role working on perhaps central curriculum development. Um, I think that's been a really interesting um, product of uh, building that capacity centrally, that it suddenly created these whole new roles, which we didn't necessarily know existed. Um, so the CPD programmes we've got, I think they still support that because we... Um, we run the MPQ courses, um, which will support progression into leadership, but then the induction programmes are within a school or within a central team. Um, and we've had to be quite agile, I think, in making sure that those programmes do fit diverse and more unusual career routes, because that's something that we've seen as definitely a feature 
um, of doing things a bit differently and um, having new ways of thinking about career progression. And I guess a useful thing is having um, captured more of what those career journeys look like to be able to share with people, um, making their own decisions and kind of seeing that for themselves. Um, as as with the uh, you know young people in schools themselves, if unless you you know that these routes and options and positions are available, you 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 can't really plan in response to them. So I guess that must be good to have that bank almost of of knowledge and and case studies and examples to sh- to share across the trust as well. Yeah, definitely, and I think we can do even more around that um, because it, that's emerging thinking for us and it's become apparent and it's happening and it's and it's there but I think we can do even more to communicate that um and so that all of our staff are even more aware of those of the potential and those different options that are available to them um and case studies is is the direction that I think we're going with that um just to look at some of the interesting career routes that people have had and share that more widely definitely and it's it's interesting it's interesting that it's a, a program and obviously there is a is a structure to it but you're developing that fluidity and flexibility within it um do you what would be your advice to uh, other trusts thinking about this this kind of of work what are you what are you learning from what you're doing and and what are you kind of refining and and changing i think there's probably a couple of things um and it's important to say you know we're on that journey as well so we're still refining and changing mm. um is that the absolute first thing you have to do is to decide what your organizational priorities are um and make sure that the work you're doing is aligned in terms of values and the reason why this strategy has worked for us is because the teacher development work was completely aligned with what we we're doing around curriculum development work um And that all came from um, a driver of wanting to um, improve life chances and outcomes for young people, particularly the most disadvantaged. Um, And, you know, when we sat down as an organisation and said, how do we do that? Um, You know, curriculum was initially one of the things that um, we were talking about and then very quickly um, developing our teachers so that they can deliver that curriculum in the most effective way became the obvious next step so I think being clear about strategic priorities um, is really important and value alignment Um, but also try not to do too much at once Um, it was really important I think for us that we spent probably three years mainly focusing on development before then saying okay now we're ready to launch the teacher and lead a development strategy and even with that, we set out things that we wanted to achieve in year one and then things that we knew we wouldn't get to until year two. Um, and there's probably some things that we won't touch until it's year three um, because it was more important to try and do um, a few specific things really well than try and do lots of things badly. Um, and I think probably the third key learning point for us was um, making sure that you're talking and communicating um, with your staff. Um, you know, ask them what they want. Um, we had um, a couple of staff surveys and staff wellbeing surveys um, that were really useful to us in terms of shaping our vision. 
Um, and we also made sure that when we were running CPD, we took feedback, we were really evaluative. And if things weren't working, we weren't afraid to stop and think, why is this? Do we need to do things differently? And I think that that's something that's been critical to not just the teacher development work, but curriculum development work, mm -hmm. where our curriculum has been more successful is when we have involved teachers and leaders and subject experts in the curriculum conversation um, and developed you know, proper um, communities of teachers. So I think along with alignment in terms of strategic priorities and values, trying not to do too many things all at once, um, communicating with, with your people is, is probably the third really important point. Yeah, I was I was actually just about to ask about consulting with with staff when you when you mentioned it, it, it there and as you yeah. say so so important and obviously those your kind of internal stakeholders but has it has it actually been successful in terms of recruiting uh, staff it, obviously early days but are you are you getting a sense that when people apply it's something that's attracting them as well. So I think that's starting to happen, but that's where we um, need to think about going, you know, um, as, as we consider the next phase of what we're doing. Um, I think we started some things that are really great. We need to make sure that we're sharing that properly. Um, I think we have seen improved recruitment and probably that that is coming from um, some of these things that we are doing, but I think it would be difficult to demonstrate the link at the moment because mm. it's probably happening in roundabout ways. People are picking up on um, you know, maybe they've been to some fast DPD um, or some of that, you know, some there's some positive word of mouth that is perhaps spreading that message. Um, or people have have become aware of what we're doing around curriculum and um, and so people are aware of that. I think we need to probably think a bit more about communicating um, our teacher and leader development offer a bit more widely mm. so that you know, this is something that's important to the trust and they know if they come and work for us this is what they will be able to get involved with and not just that it's what they'll be entitled to um, and I think that that is when we'll really start to see the impact. Fantastic. Uh, and just just moving away from the, the the program for for a moment to consider where we are today we are the day following the prime minister's uh, announcement of um there being a potential return to school for some pupils the government guidance hasn't yet been issued as we speak um but um, obviously, the last the last few weeks have seen an enormous amount of upheaval and and change in in schools and trusts. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about about what you've been doing at Inspiration Trust? Mm. Goodness, it's been the strangest of times, hasn't it? Um, and just an incon inconceivable situation. Um, a Washington-based organisation called Transcend Education. And they were describing three stages um, to describe the, the different phases that schools are going through at the moment. They were talking about respond, recover, and reinvent. Um, and it, that really um, resonated with me. Um, and I think that is what we've been doing. So initially, you know, we were responding. We were getting, um, just making sure things were in place. 
um, trying to keep education going, um, trying to you know, very quickly establish um, remote learning approaches. Um, in the first few weeks, it was all just about that. How can we keep education going? And how can we um, support our most vulnerable learners? Um, and that's been about calling and checking in with pupils and their families. Um, it's been about coordinating leadership of SEN, support of SEN, getting IT devices to pupils without IT at home, uh, sending food parcels, um, new safeguarding protocols, you name it. It's all of those things that were that um, you know, first initial response. Yeah, as, as you say, lots of lots and lots of, of, of activity. Um, and as we as we move towards um, some some sort of, of, of partial re reopening or or even thinking of towards September, um, what what activities are the are the team engaged in, in in now beyond obviously kind of continuing education? Yeah, so we've been trying to think you know, really carefully, what can we do to um, best support our our pupils and, and our communities? What do they need? Um, and, uh, you know, the thought, our thoughts as with as with other people are starting to turn to reopening. Um, one of the biggest things we've been thinking about is about curriculum and CPD, um, which links in with what we've been saying really earlier. Um, but I think those, those truly are the most important things. Um, so we've been thinking, what does um, what does curriculum look like? What do you teach these pupils when they come back? Mm. Um, whether that be before the summer, um, when you're really getting them back into those habits of learning, or you know, how do those curriculum plans change when um, we move into September? You know, what does assessment look like? Um, it's it's looking possible, and you know, we'll wait for the the guidance to to firm up. You know, what we might be doing precisely around this but it's looking like um remote learning is likely to continue mm. for um for some pupils for a little while at least um and so after we've established that initially it's been really thinking about how we can find that model and in terms of uh remote learning particularly uh in the last few weeks we really we've really been moving our thinking forward it had to go beyond just the getting that uh provision up and running um and move forward into thinking about making sure it was really high quality, answering questions like, you know, what does assessment look like during remote learning? What does feedback look like? Um, how do you keep pupils motivated? Um, and also, how do you really, really thoroughly check that pupils are participating, engaging in that learning? It, well, but if the children aren't using it, pointless. Um, so we've done a lot of work around making sure we know exactly um, which pupils are and aren't accessing that mm. learning um, so that we can then um, act in really informed ways about supporting families and understand the reasons why they maybe aren't um, completing that learning at home. So I think um, refining that model and really looking at quality assurance and being key um, alongside that, looking at you know what CPD do our, our teachers need um, during this yeah, this it's this strange and uncertain time because the CPD needs have changed. Yeah. You know, very early on, we identified that um, teachers probably needed input around um, using new technologies, uh, using um, platforms like Google Classroom, um, 
So we very quickly put together some uh, digital content on that. We've made it freely available to all. Um, and now we're looking at what um, CPD our teachers are going to need as we move more towards reopening. Um, and that's covering many areas from um, you know, staff wellbeing, through to uh, curriculum planning, um, through to you know, what, are, what are the most effective teaching practices uh, going to be to help our pupils um, catch up uh, and to try and make sure that there isn't um, a long-term impact of this, this period of school closure. Um, so we've been doing all sorts of things. Um, we've had the um, privilege as well of being involved in initiatives like uh, Oak Academy, and um, mm. we've partnered with Star Academies on their Starline um, parent helpline provision. Um, so it's been um, really good to get involved in some positive national initiatives like that. And I think the, the community spirit and people coming together in that way has been one of the positives to come from the, the current crisis. Exactly so. And as you say, staff development wise, lots of opportunities for growth and development there. Obviously, it, it might take time uh, reflection and people eventually having a break to kind of un unpick and appreciate appreciate some of that but uh, but as you say uh, you know fantastic lot of activity and people using using skills in different ways learning new skills um and you know we we, we do we do try and find these um these threads of, of positive positive throughout so much upheaval and and, and difficulty and another sort of um positive from from the, the the last few weeks has been more recognition. I mean, I think we could all argue that that more more was needed, and more still is probably needed than has already been given. But more recognition of the teaching profession, um, particularly by parents uh, who are now supporting home learning, uh, you know, and recognizing that it's a fantastically complex and difficult job that that teachers do every day. I'm curious to know what you think the the impact of this this period will be on on recruitment to the profession, which we know is is, is something that that there's there's a struggle, um, and retention of, of of staff. Potentially, a lot of people feeling quite burnt out. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think there'll be many impacts, um, and you know, who knows what some of those might be. But um, I'm hoping there'll be some positive things to come from this. Um, I think there has been, as you say, uh, a kind of recognition of the work that teachers do um, and a recognition that teaching um, isn't easy. I think the, the idea of home learning has made that um, really clear to some parents. Um, you know, I have to say personally, I mean, I, I have huge respect for all teachers anyway, um, but particular respect for early years teachers having uh, had to... Um, you know, pick up the teaching of my three-year-old um, yeah. recently. Um, so I think that that is a positive to come from this. Um, I've been contacted really interestingly by, um, you know, parents who are actually considering getting into teaching oh, as wow. a result of, um, you know, finding that they're, they're really enjoying, you know, thinking about learning and, um, you know, that greater understanding of what their children are learning about. Um, has that actually made them think that this might be something they might want to do, um, which is great. Um, and I think in terms of recruitment into the profession, I think people perhaps might reevaluate um, 
teaching in that context. Um, and you know, there's, there's never been a more important time to develop and invest in our teachers. I think people are seeing that like that many key workers um, across the country, um, that the wonderful doctors and nurses have done such an amazing and phenomenal job. Um, and you know, teachers have played their part in keeping the country going in, in, in their way as well. And I think people have seen that. I'd, I'd like to think that our teachers will see that recognition and feel valued. Um, we are seeing teachers feeling very tired um, and the recent situation has put quite a lot of pressure on them. But many um, teachers that I talk to day in, day out are also really motivated by the situation. They are you know, keen, once we can get pupils back um, safely, um, they're really keen to um, get stuck into helping people's catch up. They're quite motivated by that. Um, I have teachers asking me, you know, what can I do? Go above and beyond. So I think um, that there's the two sides to this. They will be feeling really tired, but um, I must make sure that um, they get a proper break and that people um, find a time to have a proper rest. Um, and that's vitally important. But I think they're also so keen to continue making a difference to the lives of the young people that they work with, that they're seeing this current situation as a really motivating challenge and a challenge that they can really get behind. Great, great, great to hear that. Um, uh, that you know, you, you that's that's been your experience, and um, particularly interesting to hear those those parents wanting to get into to oh, teaching. That's sure. that's really fantastic. And any any final thoughts that you'd like to uh, share with our listeners on anything we've discussed today, or or anything else? I think um, one of the biggest positives for me from this whole really difficult situation has been the sense of community that we see. Um, and I really hope that that is something that we don't lose once things start returning to a more, more normal situation. Um, and whether that be, you know, teachers in communities, um, you know, across our schools, um, or a kind of wider educational community, um, where that's, you know, Max working together and sharing resources, you know, teachers from across the country, um, communicating and sharing and perhaps in ways that they hadn't before um, and I think our schools are going to need that um, you know our pupils and our families and you know, the school communities are really going to need our support um, and I think we just need to remember that that's that idea of community is one of the things that um, got us through this and hopefully that will be a positive thing from it. Great Great stuff. And thank you very much, Claire, for talking to us today. Thank you very much for listening. Key Voices is produced by The Key, giving education leaders the knowledge to act. Members of The Key for School Leaders can access hundreds of articles on the latest issues in education at thekeysupport.com. And please tell us what you think of the podcast. Rate, review and subscribe or email me at caroline.doherty at thekeysupport.com with your thoughts and suggestions.